Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Raz and Randy Griggs. And the Odyssey continues. I am your host, Randy Griggs. Our uh, other co-host, Robbie Raz, will not be able to join us tonight. So I will be joined by the folks back at uh, Dojo headquarters. Eric and Jordan will be joining me. Thank you for tuning in tonight. We are very excited for a wild card episode for season three. And we will be smoking and drinking uh, a great pairing here today. Uh, first, I'll start off by saying, you know, please hit share. Let everybody know how much you love Flavor Odyssey by posting it right there on your uh, Facebook account. And uh, the pairing for this evening's wild card show is none other than the fine libation of root beer. And a Perdomo 10th anniversary. Eric, how yes. are you guys doing out there in Colorado? So, Randy, uh, psyched to be here. I know uh, I'm sort of the, the better-looking version of, of Robbie, so that's mm. a plus. I think people are going to be... And I'm the better-looking version of you, so... So, yeah. there you go. It's, <laughs> just like a du- it's like a double upgrade. Boom. But, uh, no, we're excited to be uh, wild card. So, why do we do wild card episodes randy what's we don't we don't know i mean i i don't know i mean what (laughs) explain that sure absolutely so obviously the format for uh that we picked up in season two and have carried on uh is uh six segments of four episodes Uh, in season two we were focused on rapper types this season for season three we are focused on flavor components we just wrapped up the first segment of earthy and the wild cards Provide us a couple things. Give us a great opportunity to break up the segments, have a little breather before we dive into the next one. It also gives us a great opportunity to do something fun and outside of the box uh, that we don't typically do for the normal format of the show. Uh, we've done uh, bacon pairings uh, during wild cards. We have had guests like we will have on here this evening. Uh, it also gives us an opportunity to be a uh, uh, you know kind of nimble and loose, and we get to pivot into fun and uh, you know current events. Uh, also, as we're going to be doing here this evening, and I'll go ahead and just announce we will be joined by none other than Abe Debabna from Smoke In this evening, and they just wrapped up what I would say is bar none by far the number one virtual event ever created uh, this past weekend. So we're gonna 
you hear a little bit from Abe and have him uh, talk to us about that. And, you know, that just wouldn't have worked very well in an earthy or a fruity episode. So uh, so we really enjoy having the, the wild card episodes, get to do something a little fun and uh, get a break from the norm. I think it'll be cool to because uh, this is this will be the first time that anybody's, you know, got to really talk to Abe about this event that he had last, you know, Saturday. And if you I know most of the people in the dojo verse uh, were watching but if you didn't watch, it was essentially an eight-hour uh, virtual broadcast, but it was done more in the format of, you know, like full production. Like imagine, you know, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and with different, you know, stages and sets. And not only did it raise the bar, I think it, it like, it put it into, like, literally, like, uh, another stratosphere. It, 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 it might actually frustrate some people because the bar now is raised so high for virtual events. Uh, there may be some people just like, oh, forget, we're not going to do our virtual event because how, how can you possibly follow up that event? But I, don't, I think that that obviously came with some challenges, so it'll be fun to, uh, to talk to Abe tonight and get the sort of the... Uh, inside baseball if you will scoop on how all that went down no oh, absolutely I, I i agree and i hear what you're saying i'll tell you i'm always excited when a new bar is set eric because i want to see more people try and achieve it i <laughs> yeah, for right? one uh, yeah you know and it, it, it benefits all of us I, I tune into a lot of virtual events uh i spent at least six plus hours watching the eight hour uh, uh bonanza of the great smoke this past weekend and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Abe and getting some some insider tips so that the virtual events that I have a part in uh, in production and planning uh, will, will be improved as a result. So, um, yeah, you're right. Maybe it'll scare some people off, but maybe it'll also improve virtual events for all of us as we uh, as we move forward. Well, let's uh, should we do it? Should we bring him on? That, Are we doing that, this? Yeah. That, yeah. Let's just <laughs> do it. Man. Abe Dababna from Smoke In. Thank you for joining us on on Flavor Odyssey tonight. Oh, you mute, you're, st st you're still muted. And you're still muted, Abe. <laughs> right. There you go. That's right. There we there go. There it is. There he is. Welcome to well, the show. Glad to be here, boys. Yeah. So, Abe, uh, th thank you for joining us. And we asked Abe um, to to uh, decide the pairing tonight. And well, I, I'm going to say right now, I feel a little jilted. How's that? Because I never knew like bacon pairing was an option. <laughs> I mean, seriously, no one ever said this could be like a non-libation or drink. I mean, no one. I'm hearing bacon pairings for the first time. Well, that was that was well, that was Fred Rui. So you know, that was Fred Rui. It All was right, bad. I, I got to give that one to Fred. <laughs> it was kind of an exception. It's typically a libations-driven pairing show, uh, but but we do enjoy you being on. And you, but you chose root beer, Tarek's point. Uh, you 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 got to choose the. Libation. See, so you got Virgil's handcrafted root beer. Fantastic. This, this is one of my favorites, and I have another favorite as a backup when this one's done. But this is one of my favorites. What What made you What made you uh, pick root beer, Abe? I've been drinking root beer with cigars since I was nineteen, twenty. Somebody once said it, and I said, "Oh, that kind of sounds like it'd be good," and I did it. And it's just kind of thing I've been doing most of my adult life. Um, yeah, well, it's it's kind of it's kind of cool, Randy, huh? Because we haven't really done. A ton of non-alcoholic pairings. We've done a few, but not a lot. And so it is nice to uh, to jump out of the you know the alcohol realm and and try something non-alcoholic like this. And I do think, Abe, it's a uh, it is a good pick because root beer does seem to. 
to pair well in general with cigars. It really does. I'm telling you, I've been doing it for a very long time. And uh, it's just one of those things that also is so versatile because it's got a little bit of spice, a little bit of sweet. It's kind of hard to find a cigar. It doesn't really pair with on some level. Right. Great. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about root beer and, and why we think it pairs so well. And and, and I got to tell you, though, Eric, is we, we've definitely pushed for more N.A.s on this show. And every time we come up with either Dr. Pepper or Matcha Tea, Robbie Raz gets his hands on it all, always comes back with a, hey, I found a great Matcha Tea cocktail or a great <laughs> root beer cocktail. And so it always ends up uh, becoming a well, so, uh, well, he's so, an so he's no, a, I, I, he's an alcoholic. So what do you, you know? What do you expect? <laughs> expect totally fair. Totally now, fair. now uh, the uh, the cigar, Randy. Yes, indeed. So so we're doing something a little bit different tonight. Again, it is a wild card. So we thought we could have a little fun with it. Uh, we did decide to to focus on the Perdomo tenth anniversary. Um, and uh, and Abe, what are you smoking here tonight? You've got the uh, the Maduro. You're showing the label there for. Very nice, very nice. Eric, Jordan, what do you guys smoke? I that? I'm also going with the Maduro uh, version. I have the Toro, and Jordan, you have that uh, that little. It's like a little uh, I'm on mute. You're on mute. Yeah, some sort of little little guy, little perfecto yeah. of some sort. What do you What some do you got, Randy? Pirato? I, on the other hand, am going with the Perdomo 10th anniversary Sun Grown. Just to provide a, a, a little bit of a, a variance to the conversation, and there's a little story that we may or may not tell about my uh, about my Maduro experience. Yeah, um, so they they got what? They got stolen off your lawn? Is that right? They they may have been stolen right off my <laughs> with uh, with smoke in. I got myself uh, a five pack of Perdomo Maduros just for the show. Threw in a box of of Padrones because I figured why not, and uh, that box. It was either stolen from my front yard or USPS <laughs> has completely uh, bonked this thing all out. But as of today, it was supposed to be delivered on Monday. As of today, it still says out for delivery by USPS. So, it, it, it so you're telling me there's up. a chance. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a chance that these things show up. But uh, they, they left the local hub from the U.S. Post Office uh, on, on Monday on their way to my house and uh, there's a lot of question marks about what happened after that. <laughs> now, I noticed on the dojo verse before the show, uh, uh -huh. lots of people are participating in this particular pairing. It seems like this is something that uh, a lot of guys are excited about. You know what I did, guys, Abe and Randy? I, I put my glass. By the way, this is the uh, Flavor Odyssey glass. The Flavor Odyssey glass, and they're back in stock. So if you want your own Flavor Odyssey glass... Back in stock on CigarDojo.com. But anyways, I put my glass in the freezer for like an hour so I could do like the old, you know, A&W frosty mug technique. Remember that when you'd go to A&W and you get the frosty mug? A&W was my favorite growing up. Yeah, they, they had those frosty mugs. I, I'm pretty sure they probably wet the mugs before they put them in the freezer for that full effect. But yeah, you, you get that with the the float, especially, yeah, and it comes right, running right. down the side. Oh, oh that's amazing, right? For, forget it. That makes root beer. That makes root beer that much better. Anyways, I'm excited for this pairing. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so because 
you're new to the show, Abe, you, you decided to, to come on. I, well, I did want to give you a little bit of a primer, let you know kind of how we, we uh, feature these pairings. Uh, in general, we've talked about it in the past. We haven't yet touched on it in season two. So as a reminder for everybody uh, uh, coming on the show and checking this out for the first time especially, uh, there are two major components of pairing. Uh, and this comes from, you know, for anyone that does follow the show, you know, I'm a beer professional. I've worked in the craft beer industry my entire adult life, and I've done pairings uh, professionally for about 20 years. And what we focus the most on when it comes to pairings are the two pillars of intensity and flavor hook. And so the intensity your pairing is uh, often referred to as impact also, but it simply just says that you need to have a similar enough pairing to where one isn't dominating the other. Uh, uh, you know, I use extreme examples. So for instance, you wouldn't want to drink a imperial stout with a, with a light white fish dinner. You'd probably pair that with a, uh, a wheat beer or something lighter. Um, again, you, you want to have those nuanced flavors of the fish show up. Uh, it's the same thing in, in uh, cigars and beverages is, you know, you, ha you have your Connecticut's, you have your Maduro's, you have these different levels of intensity. And you want to try and match that so that both of the components that you're pairing with can have a, a chance to shine and you can taste the different nuances from each of the pairings. Uh, the, the, the other would be flavor hook. You know, the simplest would be to tell you, you know, uh, a chocolate cake with a, uh, with a stout, it, they're both going to have chocolate. So chocolate is the flavor hook. And, you know, as we pair with tobacco and, and premium cigars and beverages, you know, what we've been doing so far in season two, we, we just finished up, as I said, the first segment of Earthy. We found one of the, either the libation or the cigar that had Earthy as a dominant component and then we tried to find uh, a, a similar intensity pairing to go with it that would have a flavor component that would uh, kind of bridge and find that synergy between those two flavors. And uh, what we ended up saying that we uh, all kind of agreed as we went through Earthy is sweetness went really well with Earthy. And so that was kind of the, the, the takeaway as, as we went through the first flavor component. And so, uh, so it'll be great to go through. And uh, again, we're going to be smoking two different cigars here tonight. We're going to be smoking the Perdomo Sun Grown as well as the Maduro. And so we'll be looking to um, and, and look for the intensity pairing uh, with root beer as well as if there's any flavor hook that we can identify uh, between the two. Abe, Abe, when you uh, when you pair cigars with whatever you're drinking, root beer or whatever, do you, are you thinking about these things in advance, or do you just grab a cigar and grab a drink and and it is what it is? Yeah, B. <laughs> you just sort of like go for it, right? I mean, look, I mean, sometimes I do. It has to be a mood thing, but most of the time I grab a cigar, I enjoy it, and kind of drink whatever's available. I mean, usually. A, if I'm in an adult bar somewhere, I'm not going to order a root beer. You know what I'm saying? But um, well, 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 tonight we got root beer. Today we got root beer, cigars, and oysters. We got the team smoke in here. We got the goat here tonight. Alex, Alex. what's up, brother? And AJ and Smokes is in here, and uh, so is uh, Briggs. AJ, what's up, Very buddy? nice. Very nice. There we Look go. Look at all these guys. They're some oh, yeah, of the, the best dudes uh, in the industry right there. We're shucking like two cases of oysters that was picked out of the ocean yesterday. Oh wow! Now, that seems to be like a good flavor odyssey for me tonight. Now, Abe, yeah. Abe you realize <laughs> that uh, 
uh, oysters are an aphrodisiac, and you're sitting there with three dudes. So I'm just saying, you know, you might want to just be, care- be careful how the night goes. You know what I'm saying? You know, I wasn't going to say nothing about your hairdo tonight, but I mean, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on up there. I think I think it's starting to come alive on its own. I, it is, yeah. I'm telling you. Well, you know, I, I got to ask a, a follow-up on the whole pairing thing, Abe, because I have heard people, you know, we get into, you know, the, the spice components of cigars on the show. We talk about whether or not you're picking up wood or nuts or, you, you know, bread crust. You know, we, we, we like all, all those adjectives. For a lot of guys, and, and and I don't judge them for this, this is great. So enjoy your cigars any way you like. But a lot of guys say, well, I don't know about all that. It just tastes like tobacco to me. Do you focus on picking up some of those more intricate flavor components? I mean, yeah, no. If it's if it's a new cigar, I tried like I'm trying for the first time. I'm probably will be focusing on it a little bit more, trying to see if I can figure it out. If it's something that's going to be in my wheelhouse, my rotation, something I like. Um, if it's something I've had many many times before, I'm probably just smoking it. Yep. Okay. Abe, good. Abe, for for folks that may. Or may not have hung out with you. What what are some of the s- types of cigars that you sort of generally you know gravitate to? What do you what is what is Abe Debabna like? You know, I have I have like slight obsessive compulsive behavior. <laughs> so I, I do. So I, I get on these things where like I'll I'll have a cigar and I'll love it, and then like I'll smoke it like for a month or two straight. It's like when Dogma came on, I smoked that for at least like six weeks. And then something else will catch my fancy. So that's kind of what I do more. And it kind of developed probably more in the last four or five years and early on. I just think, um, unless I'm going on vacation. So if I'm going on a trip, I'll be really selective. I'll spend a lot of thought process on what I'm taking on my trip. But, you know, during the week, during the day, it's, 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 not, it's not that often I actually could chill. Like I'm sitting here tonight where I could actually enjoy a cigar and relax. So um, it changes, really. It changes in cycles. Like, I'll have, like, this favorite one, and then I'll go on to the next favorite one, and then I'll smoke something else. So, um, those things. Right. So what's been your jam recently? What, what, what are you currently smoking every day? Uh, my jam, the jam I'm smoking probably most often right now, I, I mean, honestly, like, if I had a choice, I'd, Probably be the Red Meat Lovers Club because that's the one that's on my head a lot, but I don't have a lot of a supply. I think I'm down to like six cigars. So that definitely wouldn't be the cigar, you know, I could have a regular jam on. So I don't know if I found my new jam. My last jam was um, the Davidoff 702, number two, you know, and then I found out they discontinued them. So now I had like a nice little stash. So I'm, I'm probably going to back. I heard yeah. that size got discontinued, but that 7202 wrapper has kind of been like my 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 jam lately. Oh, that's a fantastic cigar, man. Yeah. I like that cigar and for some reason. I like that Vitola substantially better than I like some of the other sizes I've had. Because <laughs> sometimes I didn't have it or, you know, uh, we're out of it or waiting on a shipment and I would grab a Robusta or something. I just, whatever reason, didn't enjoy it as much. Not that it was bad. It just, I found that the number two actually tasted the best. Interesting. Well, we'll get back to the pairing as we go, but uh, we are very excited about the timing of having you on, Abe. Uh, honestly, you know, myself and so many people from Dojo uh, tuned in this past Saturday. Uh, what? How would you break down how it went? You know, we'd love to hear a little bit about the, 
the preparation that, that went into it. And uh, why don't you tell us about Saturday? How, how the great smoke go? Um, I'm probably going to take some time this weekend to really sit back and kind of watch the seven and a half hours where I could better answer that question, you know, from what I saw happen, you know, happening on the floor, because when you're in the middle of it, it's just a process. And we're, we got somebody talking in our ear. We got my team on the floor. We're trying to make sure the stuff's working right on the site. And we're looking at the next scene. And there's just really a lot going on at the time. Um, I think it came out pretty much, pretty much the way I envisioned it. And I, I don't think a lot of people really envisioned it or were able to see what I saw at the end. I, my first advertising slogan was be part of history because this was going to be history in the making. And I, and I did that four months ago, three months ago when we first, in fact, the press release, I think it was months a month or two before we started selling it when we announced we we're going to do a digital version and that was part of the press release i think so in the back of my head i knew that if what i was thinking about what i was dreaming up came to fruition it would without a doubt be an historic event and you know when you're in the moment sometimes you don't realize it because you haven't had a chance to really absorb it but the plethora of, of texts and messages and calls i got I mean, I mean, I got thousands of messages from fans and people. And what was nice is people who didn't even buy a ticket who said, look, we didn't get a ticket to the event, but we watched it. It was, it was mind-blowing um, from my own peers in the industry. You know, a lot of my own industry peers, not just manufacturers, but other retailers um, have all reached out. And I think that, you know, we pioneered a whole new level of how things can be done in our industry. And, um, you know, a lot of people said, a lot of people said that, okay, watch, people are all going to start doing this now. And it's possible, they may, but I, if I had known two months ago what I know now, I really would have just hired a company just to follow me and my team for about 24 hours a day and have done a documentary on the whole process because oh. it, was a, it was a task of epic proportions. I mean, like literally epic proportions. And it's not one of those things that you could just throw make work because – you know, a company that, you know, the company, the production company flew in Thursday and the production company had nothing to do with the set company. So the set company was there Thursday setting up the sets. They spent Friday setting up all the, I mean, look, let me tell you something. And, I, and there's tons of pictures on my phone. I haven't had a chance to post them yet. I mean, then you, you, you thought it was NASA behind the stage. There must've been 20 to 30 monitors and laptops and that's not even including sound equipment the wiring that was coming out of the backstage i mean it was insane and this company flies in because you know you you don't work they're not going to work on this project for a month so they fly in they do it so it takes a real thought process to make them prepared to be able to come in and do it and that that's what i worked on for 25 hours straight was a little production schedule for by the minute and how things would transition goes to them I mean, yeah, there were some missed cues and there was some stuff, but kudos to them, um, Kim, Michael, and Melanie, man, for, for, for no rehearsal, for no run-through, no sound checks. It, it went pretty good. Now, Abe, I yeah. remember, I remember uh, sometime, I, I don't know if it was like the summer or what, but you, you'd called me and you said, you know, you know obviously we're probably not going to be able to do the Great Smoke next year because of the situation at hand, and I've got this idea um, and I, and you, you kind of ran through the, you must've had it, you know, going for quite a while in your head and some planning already, 
when you uh, broached it to me. But was there a time in between sort of this idea and the, you know, the, the actual execution of the idea where you said to yourself, what the heck am I doing? What did I get myself into? Were you a little nervous of how it was all going to go down in the end? So I'll tell you what. You know, I've kind of done this a couple of times in my life where there's great smoke or certain projects and ideas. And eventually you kind of develop a confidence of your execution, you know, and, and, and you know, part of you always says that yeah, this thing's going to come out right. Because it takes balls to say something four months prior that you're going to make history. Right. But you're always nervous. I mean, I'm nervous the day of during it. I mean, you have if you have to worry about every component and try to think of everything that could possibly go wrong. I mean, just to give you a little example of how nervous and how I'm thinking, right? So Michael flies in on Thursday, and we have a table read at three o'clock on Friday. No, he flew in Friday morning, so we had a table read at three o'clock on Friday. Show the next day at noon, and he got there a little bit early, so we were talking and chatting. And I was like, let's go have some lunch. We got a couple hours for the table read, and we go to a Greek restaurant. And I order an octopus salad. I'm in a Greek restaurant. And Michael goes, oh, that sounds good. I'll have one too. And I'm literally saying in myself in my head, should we really both be having the same lunch? <laughs> and I wasn't kidding. Because yeah. God forbid that octopus ain't kosher. You know, we're both going to be sick tomorrow. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of stuff that you think about. So, yeah, I never stopped getting nervous. But I think that's why, you know, we've been successful at, at – coming through it because anybody out there who thinks they know what we went through and what it took probably quadruple it and you might be close mm. it was that hard it was that hard on the team and it was that monumental of a task i mean look I'm, I'm not just talking about the production i'm talking about not having a warehouse and even if we had a warehouse we it wouldn't have sufficed to have shipped out all those boxes the 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 22 foot trailer that just delivered the cardboard empty boxes that we packed everything in that was seven pallets alone forget the contents <laughs> that was just seven pallets alone and you know that's why I, i've been very grateful to the folks at gurkha who allow us to basically take over a, a port a large portion of their warehouse for about a week and you know i'm pretty sure they probably regret being that nice now <laughs> but I don't know if we'll have access. I don't know if they'll be so kind next year. Um, not not to their fault. I mean, it just we didn't realize how big of that kind of a project is, and how much space and and room was required. So um, yeah, it was it was a hell of a task. But no, I, I was nervous, and and you know, all the way to the end. And um, but nerves are a good thing. That's what keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Well, so Gurkha obviously then uh, gave you some space for the logistical execution of the operation. I, I'm curious because I've heard you speak in years past uh, on a regular year about uh, the Great Smoke and, and how much production effort goes into it, how much of your team is involved. I, I, is this uh, a bit more because there were some new components or was it just night and day different from a, a typical production because you usually do a, a huge production anyhow? Um, is, is taking it virtual and doing the setting the way you did it just a completely horse of another color? Completely different monstrosity. Okay. Because the Great Smoke in its 14th year, even though it evolved and we change and, and kind of develop this stuff, the shell of it's there. Right. And the brunt of the work is 
the the week leading up to the event, you know, setting up, getting ready in the day of the event. This was months of work from set design, you know, figuring out how, how the sets were gonna lay out and 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 you know, the, the crew that came down and worked at Showtech were phenomenal. But we struggled a lot in the beginning because we had we had questions, logistical questions we've never put on a production. And it was I'll tell you a funny story because the only reason we got the company we did was um, the head of the head guy Monty has been good friends with my operations guy for over 25 years. So um, otherwise, they wouldn't even have looked at doing a project like this for us, you know. So um, they were busy, and you know they're doing projects all over. So when I'm calling and we're not getting a call back for two weeks, you know we start freaking out. Oh. You know, but, you know, in their mind, like, man, we fly in, we shoot these things, we're used to it. And, but as we got closer to crunch time, it was, everything was rapid. We asked a question, got an answer, timing wise, everything. And I, and I think um, probably one of the nicest compliments I got from Monty that he, I think he did one of my Facebook live things. He said, he's been doing this for 30 years and 30 years of television production. He's never had a client that came to them more prepared than we came to them. That's fantastic. So that was yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a huge compliment. And, and again, I, and I think I think it stands to say that you're not going to be able to come up with this type of an event out of the box. You you do have, uh, to to your point, while this is so much different, you have a core production team. You have a core like idea and concept about how to run a large scale event. Uh, obviously, a lot of new uh, variables and elements that you added to it. Um, but it, it had to have helped that you have a, a longstanding staff that knows how to play a role in production in general, right? Not this level of production. We've never <laughs> at this level of production. I mean, literally, our web guy who's not a videographer, we're, we're, we're doing, you know, I'm taking my vision, the Saturday Night Live homage intro video, and I'm sitting with him at 2 in the morning, and we're taking, and then what's the worst part is I'm messaging guys, Steve Saka and and and, and um, Melanie and Kim and Michael Herklotz and Terrence Wright. I'm like, I, I need you to send me, like, four or five videos of you doing anything randomly. I don't care what the sound is. And then you're like, what? I'm like, just do it. Send it to me, please. You know, and you, everybody was helpful, but it was like, it's such a weird request. Well, what do you want me to do? Smoke a cigar, walk. I don't care, you know? <laughs> and I said, I'm the Saturday night. Product's gonna be, so figure something out. And um, no, this was nothing, nothing like this we've ever done before. I mean, it really, it was, it was, it was, um, it was a crazy idea to start. <laughs> and we made it happen. Now, Abe, one of the one of so, the one of the big components of this show and the event were these exclusive products that you uh, unleashed at various times throughout the seven and a half hours on Saturday. I was lucky enough to grab a box of the Fuente product, which uh, I got the note today that it was shipping Jordan. Fragment. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But so there was some technical issues, and that because the products were so highly in demand, I mean these sold out as you were announcing them that they were ready uh, to be sold, Abe. And so then you know obviously there are people that were disappointed that they didn't get any product, and and yesterday you came on Facebook to address these folks, and I, I really liked what you said uh, in your Facebook video, Abe. You were like, you know, hey, this is something that's never been done before. We did, you know, in all of our efforts to, you know, uh, appease everybody, this is just how it, this goes down. And if 
if you're upset with something like this, then an, an event like this just isn't for you. It's just a different animal, and you just addressed it, I think, in a in a in a really good way. But describe the challenges of, you know, releasing such small uh, releases of these products to such a wide range of folks. Not everybody's going to get it. I mean, look, we didn't know how this. Ver- okay, so let me let me start out by asking you this, Eric. You had the privilege of me talking to you months before this happened. And in your opinion, did what you envisioned when I was talking to you, was it anywhere near what the final production you saw was? I honestly, I thought it was better than what I was expecting. And I, that's what I'm saying. When you, when you started sharing, um, when you started sharing scenes of the sets, you know, prior to the event, uh, the, the hours and, and a day or so leading up to it, I was like, okay, like I can, I can see now. I can see the vision uh, much more clearly. And the way it came off uh, for the first time ever doing something like this, I honestly thought it was it exceeded my expectation as to what this event was really going to be like. So here's my point. So you are a guy who has some production experience. You're obviously a, a, a creative person, so you have a creative mind. So imagine what the average person, and I'm trying to explain what I'm doing too. So we didn't know how the people perceive it because no matter how much I talked about it, I don't think, I mean, I know half the manufacturers did this with no clue what I was doing. <laughs> you know, they basically signed up just on our reputation of doing events, but no matter what I told them, they never envisioned what was going to happen. So we actually sat in a room. So, so here, here we are, we're doing this event. And typically we tried to emulate as much as we can, what would happen if you'd come down normally. So you got this party in the box. That's the ticket. That's the value. You get the party in the box and you come and celebrate for five hours in an afternoon. And if you want to buy some other stuff, we got killer deals. That's the event. The the ticket to the event, coming to the event has no merits other than what you're getting in the party in the box and the celebration that we have there. So we can't have a physical celebration. So we made a digital celebration. And we weren't sure how people were going to react to this, not being able to perceive it. So we said, let's reach out to some manufacturers, see if we can excite things up a little bit. And, and, and make some special cigars. Now, the problem was, is these guys didn't have a lot of time. By the time we were committed to this route, they didn't have a lot of time, not as much as they would. And it was also a time that their production levels were already halted for many, many months. So they're having trouble producing their day-to-day cigars that they sell every day. And now we're throwing something in the mix. Can you make something special? So we didn't... We didn't have an issue with anybody who came to us and said, we can make you 100, we can make 150, we can stock and make 200. We took whatever we can get. And I'll be honest with you, as a team, we all sat around and we're trying to decide, all right, we, we know this one will sell out. And we know this one will sell out. This one probably might not. This one probably might not. Honestly, I think two of them I thought would 100% sell out. The rest, maybe, maybe not. And it wasn't just my team that thought this. I got a call from Saka when he found out we were limiting his release to one per person, he complained to me. He's like, why would you do that? I said, what do you mean why I do that? We got 1,500 plus ticket holders and only 200 bundles. I'm trying to make as many people as we can happy. And, and Saka's like, if you limit to one per customer, I won't sell out. I'm coming on at 5 o'clock. I mean, this was his sentiment, sentiments. Right. So, And he sold out in whatever it was, minutes. So... You know, a lot of people didn't know what to expect. My issue with that is when I, after we had this epic day I, and I, I, we have the brunch the next day, I come in 
and no one had told me anything prior to I came in Sunday. Now I'm starting to hear that my staff got abused all day on the phone. Mm. Customers were calling in. And, and let me just tell you something. Any, any administrative person or upper level person in my organization, organization was at the event. So I got my part-time guys, my floor guys who are not that deeply involved. These are the guys working that Saturday afternoon. And they're getting bombarded by customers, upset. And and then then I they didn't even show me the emails till Monday morning. We had guys who placed orders and on the customer notes would be like a whole bunch of nasty stuff. And actually one guy called me not so honest Dave. You know, I mean it was crazy. Whoa. So that was Randy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> So for me, at first, I was kind of living and upset because the LEs is like a lottery. Right. You know, this is the Great Smoke event and typically had nothing to do with limited edition releases. So either you wanted to be part of the event or you didn't. And if you got, then if you ended up getting something special, that was just a lottery perk. Right. You know, we had warned everybody. We told everybody stuff's going to crash. I said at the beginning of the show, you know, we do not have Amazon servers, you know, I mean, you got 1,600 people fighting for 100 boxes of something. Yeah, if you don't check out and then you go hit your credit thing and there's none left, it's going to say it's gone. So we tried telling people that wasn't enough. So my response in the beginning was don't answer any of the emails. Delete them. I don't even want to deal with them. And then they didn't do it, thank God, because literally Monday morning I sat and I called every single person who had written a nasty email Wow. Or, or said something. One by one. It took the whole day. And I think some of them may have saw my video. That's when I got on the phone with them. They're, they're, they had already kind of woke up to the fact. But every single person apologized. I mean, one guy said, look, man, if I had written an email, I would have sent an email out 10, 20 minutes later apologizing. But I would put it in the customer notes and I didn't know how to take it back. You know, so, and, you know, so there was everybody kind of calmed down. They simmered down. They enjoyed the rest of the experience. And, and by Monday, you know, things were normal in the world. But for me, if, if their basis of enjoying this event, participating in this event, forget the fact that we tried to do something special instead of just copping out and saying, hey, COVID around, we're just not going to have the great smoke. That We didn't want to do that. We also didn't want to do anything that we had seen anybody else do. To send out boxes and then to have a flat experience like we're doing now, which is the same way we do KMA Talk Radio, for me, that wasn't an event either. So that was not going to be an option for us. To get a bunch of guys on a flat Zoom thing and a talk, you know, who cares? You know, it's good for a two-hour talk show or podcast, but it's not good for an event. Let's be real. So that wasn't an option for us either. So instead of being appreciative for this thing and say, hey, we still had an event, they were caught up, oh, I didn't get the box of cigars that I was never promised I was going to get. For me, I didn't get that. So, you know, and there are those people, and I just I just was being honest. If, if this is how you are, this event's not for you. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, 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 don't participate in our event next year. Because for me, those type of people don't understand the spirit of what the event is or the culture of our community. And those are the type of people that will always be on the outside looking in. They're the guys in the glass looking at everybody wonderful dinner in a restaurant, you know, and not understanding why they're not in there. Right. Well, a couple of our uh, comments that Jordan's put on the screen is said uh, uh, a comment that echoes my feeling on it is you did such a great job of giving value to the actual party in the box that made it more than worth 
uh, you know, the value proposition was fantastic just to buy the ticket. So, uh, yeah, to your, to your point, to have expectations of, you know, access to these things is kind of kind of silly. But but I will say, as as one of the people, you know, feverishly clicking away, clicking away, <laughs> you know, you, your endorphins get going, your adrenaline's rushing, you're so excited, you're trying to, you know, hit click out a, a, as quickly as possible. I could totally see how people would, uh, you, you know, get get a little bit fired up, and then an hour or two or the next morning later, you know, saying, okay, I was probably a little bit overly heated there. <laughs> that, that was probably inappropriate. But, uh, but, but yeah, no. to, to, to your point, you, you gave us exactly what you told us we were going to get. Yeah. Look, I understand that. That's why as long as when I talked to them Monday, if they were, they were sincere or whatever, we had no issue with the goat wanted to ban all their accounts right away. Literally. <laughs> the goat said, I want to make a pop-up so the next time they log in and smoke in, your money's no good here. <laughs> That's literally what he wanted to do. That you know? would be kind of awesome, too. Uh, no, he literally wanted to. And I said, look, if anybody is still like, if anybody's still got a bad attitude when I talk to them, by all means, go ahead and do it. So he was, no. a, little, he was a little disappointed. He was really hoping to ban a few people. Um, <laughs> he's laughing, but he knows it's true over there. But... Um, you know, look, I, I did the part. Look, you guys have been to the Great Smoke. Oh, yeah. So you know you don't get a hat. You know, General Mission doesn't get a hat. General Mission doesn't get a T-shirt. Those are ancillary items. You don't get a shot glass. I, I purposely, strategically made this year's package a, an extreme value because I'll be honest with you, you know, in my mind, there was a good shot this production would have went in the shitter. <laughs> right. So I wanted to make sure the production, for whatever reason, went in the shitter. No one had a right to complain. No. You know, I mean, and, and it's funny because that, that was my intention. And, you know, my wife's telling me, you know, oh, baby, you never fail. Well, I'm like, uh, yeah, I failed a couple times. We just like to forget them. You know, it happens, man. <laughs> this shit happens. And you take your licks and you learn from it. And you don't do it again. But, um, yeah, we, we purposely overvalued that package over the top one because we had never done this before. You know, um, the country's been somewhat depressed. Look, we, we live in an unreal uh, – Eric knows because he's been down here. How we're living here in Florida is not how the majority of the country is living right now, or a lot of parts of the country living right now. So, you know, we wanted to send something that would really kind of excite him. And I can't tell you how many emails and messages we got. Man, just thank you for letting me forget about everything for And we got more than what I expected of people saying, you know, I planned on watching like the first hour or two. And next thing I knew, those credits were scrolling. I mean, like, they just got stuck watching it, which meant we did our job. Absolutely. We kept it entertaining. Look, it was very hard. So I'm asking these manufacturers, like Carlito Fuente, you know, Rocky, I want them to come down, drive miles, hours, to be on my set, and I'm giving them 20 minutes, 15 minutes of airtime, right? But I knew going in that was important in the production. Because if we had elongated any one segment, people would start tuning out. You know, no segment literally longer than 20 minutes. Everything kept popping every 10, 15 minutes, popping to a different thing where people kind of didn't have that reason to get up and walk away. And that part, I think, we successfully executed what we wanted. Absolutely. Randy? Well, I got to say, it's so exciting to have one of our sponsors stop by and spend some time with us here tonight, which reminds me. <laughs> Randy! Randy! 
Tonight's episode, just as every episode this year, will be brought to you by our good friends at Drew Estate. We are both proud and honored to have Drew Estate as a partner as they were able to dominate the industry once again and be selected as the 2020 Cigar Dojo Brand of the Year. With all the amazing cigars created by Drew Estate, who would have thought that they could have brought even more excitement and notoriety to the esteemed line of Liga Provada? Well, that's exactly what they did by releasing the number one limited cigar of the year, Year of the Rat. You can find phenomenal Drew Estate cigars anywhere cigars are sold. Head to DrewEstate.com forward slash store locator to find the shop nearest you and experience the rebirth of cigars. One of our absolute favorite Drew Estate retailers is responsible for sponsoring all the cigars smoked here on Flavor Odyssey. And that's Smoke In. Don't miss a true cigar experience with their courteous and knowledgeable staff and over 600 of the world's finest brands to choose from within Florida's largest walk-in humidors. Drop by any one order locations or visit them online at smokein.com. There he is, oh Randy's read. That was that, that was that was maybe the best one of all time. That was a good read, Randy. <laughs> I mean, well, you didn't have any like crazy uh, voice that you put on or anything like that. You just kept it classic, no stutters, just perfect read. I give it a ten. Did it, make, did it make you nervous at all that your one of your sponsors was actually watching the show on it? Listening <laughs> to it? I I practiced that read for ninety minutes before we told you. <laughs> A Abe, Abe, what you don't know is, see, Randy's read has actually become like the most popular the biggest draw that we segment have. of the show. People tune in just to to get Randy's read. Um, guys, let's let's do a quick update on this pairing uh, and and talk about how we're enjoying it. Uh, I'll start with Jordan. Uh, Jordan, what do you think so far of the Perdomo Maduro paired with a root beer? I am digging it. Um, the Perdomo is great cigar. Um, not like I'm not the biggest fan of like an earthy profile in a cigar, but but this one really pulls it off. It's got a dense smoke texture to it, and it has enough has a good amount of sweetness to back up the earthiness. Um, has like kind of a mocha quality to it as well, and that's pairing really good with the root beer. I'm doing a Jones root beer, which this is a bit more on the vanilla side for a root beer, and that vanilla sweetness is really complementing the cigar nicely. I I kind of w I would want if it was like an ultimate version of this pairing, I would kind of want more of a, a complex root beer that had more, maybe more like an anise type of thing going on. This root beer doesn't have too much of that. It's mostly just vanilla. But um, just, just uh, yeah, I'm really digging it. What do you think so far, Randy? Well, for me, again, smoking the Sun Grown, you know, I, I do have a little bit of a different flavor profile than you guys. It's definitely medium to full-bodied. I'm definitely getting a, a nuttiness, a very nice earthy. There's great cabinet spices in this cigar, which really uh, drives that pairing home very well. Uh, root beer, obviously, being a sassafras-based um, uh, beverage, you, you get you know those kind of nutmeg and and cinnamon type characteristics. It's not overly sweet. I went with the I went with the Bundaberg myself, which uh, I, I I've learned you know there's. Uh, a couple other brands that definitely bring a lot more sweetness that I think would overpower the, the cigar quite a bit. Um, this is uh, right where it needs to be on intensity and, uh, again, is having a lot of those similar uh, kind of spice characteristics that I'm really enjoying with this cigar. What do you think so far, Abe? How's your pairing going? Uh, I've moved on to my second root beer. Okay. 
one of my second favorite movies. Oh, oh, oh we, we, we have nice. that here in the studio that's, too. What do you think? What do you think about oh, no. that? I, I listen. I've always liked this. I, I think the the, the 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 slight spice and sweetness of a root beer just accentuates the flavor. Whatever our cigars I'm smoking at the time, and I also find that the root beer, whether it's carbonation, it kind of always refreshes my palate. So it's almost like my tongue is not like burnt out from the, you know the smoke of the cigar. It's like I'm taking my first puff every time. I think that's what I like most about it. I think that's a great point. I, I'm going with the um, this is the Henry Weinhardt's uh, craft root beer. And th- this is a pairing, I think, that is approachable for anybody, whether they are a new cigar smoker or maybe they've, you know, they've had, a, a, you know, 10 years of smoking and pairing cigars. Like, this is just an approachable pairing. You almost can't go wrong with it. I, I don't know if Abe or, or Randy, one of you guys said that early in the show, and that's proving to be true here. The root beer has uh, obviously a lot more sweetness than maybe we're used to with, say, like a bourbon or a wine. But for the, with this cigar, which also has some sweetness, um, being you know aged, uh, the wrapper being aged in uh, bourbon barrels. Um, by the way, uh, just just a quick point on the. You know, a lot of people ask about that. Like, why does Perdomo age the tobacco in bourbon barrels? They do not age the tobacco in bourbon barrels to get any flavor component whatsoever from the the bourbon barrel at all. At all. It's just a way to uh, sort of second ferment the ter- tobacco, which normally you, you really can't do unless you're uh, compressing it in these bourbon barrels, which they do. So it has nothing to do with bourbon per se. It's just that bourbon barrels breathe the right amount. Mm-hmm. They are just perfect for, you know, uh, compressing and pressurizing the tobacco. And that adds some sweetness to the tobacco that you might not normally get. And so Perdomo does that with every cigar. Sometimes it's the filler tobacco. Sometimes it's the um, the wrapper, which it is in this case, and then with the twelve-year age, they they age all of the tobacco um, in that particular cigar. So they're always aging at least some tobacco in bourbon barrels. But it's not for it's not for a flavor component, Randy. It's just to break down that uh, tobacco even further, which makes for a really really fun smoke with a nice subtle sweetness to it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great. People see the word bourbon and immediately assume they're going to have some sort of bourbon character in the cigar. And it's very rare that, that you, you actually find that. You said it perfectly. You know, with the porous uh, nature of the oak barrels, allows a little bit of breathing to go on, allows that fermentation to uh, kind of reinvigor and continue to break down and maybe pick up. If any if any flavor is uh, transmitted, it's more, more likely kind of that charred oak uh, character than it is actual uh, you know the sweet bourbon uh, flavor. So, right. um, well, yeah, different. No, I, uh, I think this is going really well. Different manufacturers can set about that in different ways. There is a different. You know, some guys will put the rolled cigars in a in a bourbon barrel mm. afterwards, and that is kind of more of like an infusion technique where you right. will you know, you can smell it on the cigar and that kind of thing. But per, the way Perdomo does it, it it sets out a fermentation process rather than an infusion process. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we are on Flavor Odyssey. This is a wildcard episode with Abe DeBabna of Smoke In. He just had the, the great smoke digital experience that we all uh, watched. Uh, I know at the Dojo Studios, we had a bunch of guys come over. We hung out all day. You know what we did? Uh, Randy and Abe, we took all the cigars from the um, party pack, laid them out on the table, 
And then we had like a cigar draft, you know, where like one guy would pick one cigar and the next guy would pick. And then we had like a snake draft until we had just gone through the entire uh, party in a pack and then just sat there and enjoyed the show. And um, it was amazing. Now, Abe, you're sitting there with three guys that helped you out greatly, you know, the GOAT and AJ and whatnot. Who was the weakest link out of those three guys? <laughs> Real easy. <laughs> Real easy. Real easy. This guy right here. Hey. <laughs> hey. Danny Briggs' son. That's a. That's a. How's it going, guys? That's a Medal of Honor, brother. You were the weakest link. Listen, I've dealt with it for three years. You know, I, I got the I got to deal with Abe's happiness for three years. Was, that it? It felt, was it only three? No, three or four. It felt three like a lifetime. He, he put me through college, so you know. Danny worked for us for many years, and it was great. And he's moved on to a good career. And he still wanted to be participating the day and just kind of showed up, worked the whole day with us and did a great job, really. That's fantastic. That's, that's, how long have you been gone now? Two two years. Has it been that long? Two years. Wow. Two years. There you go. Yep. So two years later, he still wants to do great smoking <laughs> stuff. Well, wear that badge with pride. That's Andy. right. <laughs> participation trophy, Randy. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same See, thing. You <laughs> thought you were going to put me on the spot, but I have smarted you, Master Sensei. <laughs> you had your you not employee in the room. <laughs> so, now, Randy, we've been talking about the pairing and whatnot, but I don't even know the history of root beer. Well, root beer, you know, as, as, as most of you know. You Are know we Hair Street right now? Just for a minute. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got it. Sassafras root beers, uh, Sassafras root beverages have been popular. Uh, you know, we can date them back to the 1600s. Uh, it is a North American um, uh, uh, focused beverage. It's, it's where Sassafras grows the most predominantly. And so uh, there, there was all kinds of medicinal beliefs. Uh, back with, with the natives before uh, Europeans even came to the uh, to the United States in full force, and uh, and it was actually popularized as a as a carbonated soda and beverage by Charles Elmer Hires in 1875. Not to be confused with Hire, which uh, our friend Jack has nothing to do with uh, with root beer, <laughs> but uh, but it but it w was interesting because my my, my good friend uh, Jordan here challenged me to be able to uh, distinguish what the difference between root beer, uh, sarsaparilla, and birch beer are. And so for, first I'd like to say, you know, that root beer, oh, I've got it on, I'm, I'm switching my, my screens around here, that root beer is made up of, well, well the base of the beverage is sassafras and uh, a sweetening uh, element of some kind. I would tell you, as a, as a home soda maker, the the sweetening base has everything to do with uh, how good your soda is going to be. So you, you'll see anywhere from honey, agave, malt extract. See a whole combination of different sweeteners that have different complexities to them uh, make up that sweetening base. And then you'll see in root beer, you have uh, flavoring agents that aren't surprisingly, as we've talked about how well they go with cigars, uh, are cinnamon, nutmeg, uh, different uh, botanical roots that drive that flavor. And that's why you get such a wide range of, uh, of flavor components from different root beers, because they're literally using different uh, proprietary combinations of these different botanicals uh, to make up the, the overall flavor. Where sarsaparilla is actually 
instead of sassafras primary flavor and then birch beer is similarly made from birch root and or bark to drive that primary flavor so so while they all follow a very similar uh kind of pattern of using different roots and and barks from these naturally occurring trees um to to drive that that principal flavor it's just different trees and different roots that that they're using that differentiates root beer is sassafras Sarsaparilla, sarsaparilla, and birch is birch. Now, Randy, the the hires guy, the hires guy that you mentioned yeah. earlier, it's my understanding that he was popularized right by you in Lottie, California. He was like he had a stand and he was selling his root beer right right there. I, th- I that's what I read. Is, <laughs> did you read that? <laughs> Look at you doing the show research. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. So, so as I said, it's it's a North American. Uh, trend. I didn't pick up that it was California specifically, but uh, but just that it was uh, very uh, centralized here to, to North America and Canada. The uh, root beer is now becoming more popular in other countries such as uh, the UK, Australia, uh, and, and just a handful of others. But if you travel the world, you'll find most people don't really know what you're talking about when you bring up root beer. It is uh, it is an American uh, beverage and delicacy, if you will. Now, Lottie, that's where some of my favorite Zins come from. So, um, yes, you know it's crazy that the rest of the world is not hip to root beer yet. I mean, you, you know, say, you say root. I know. Do you guys say root beer or root? root? I say root beer. Root beer. I don't. I think root I don't beer. think root beer is appropriate. What? Like, what's wrong with that? Root. I say it however I want to say it. I don't like it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me. I, I think people. Hey, they Eric, call I agree with you. Eric. Yes. I agree with you. Say it exactly the way you want to say it. Eric That's Gutterson. Right. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. So, guys, let's let's start to kind of wrap. I mean, uh, let's wrap up A, the Great Smoke. A, but I have one final Great Smoke question from me, and then maybe Randy has one. I'm not sure. Um, my final question as far as the Great Smoke is concerned is, since it was such an amazing success and everybody enjoyed it so much, Let's assume that things go back to normal next year and we can have the great smoke in person like we all want to do because it's so much fun. Would you consider doing something similar to this at another time of the year just to continue this tradition of this digital experience that was so fun? Um, so that thought entertained my brain for about a millisecond. <laughs> and quickly went away. Okay. So logistically, look, here's the thing. And there's one thing our company has become really good at and our team has gotten good at and behind is we're good at keep, you know, I have this expression of kind of once you press the throttle down to the floorboard, it's kind of hard to lift your foot back up, you know? So we've been good at always kind of saying what's next. What do you do next? And I don't think you can ever repeat what happens Saturday is just one of those things that you can't repeat. Um, and anybody who's watching this show or sees this show, whether you got a ticket or not, you can experience this. The full seven and a half hours exists on our smoking Facebook page and our great smoke page. You can go catch snippets of it, watch it in its entirety. It, it'll be out there forever. Um, but, um, I don't think you could do it again. I don't think we could do it again. I think if we did it again, it'd be anticlimactic to what we did the first time, but something special was created and, we got tons of emails and tons of messages from people all over the country who said, we, they were basically, thank you so much for doing this. We could never, look, if you come to one of these events, 
Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival, the Great Smoke Cigar Fest, whatever it is, you're dropping a lot of coin before you even the event even starts. You're, you're flying typically somewhere if you're in a parts of the country. You're getting a hotel. It's an expensive process. You know, forget what you spend while you're there. So um, a lot of people were, were so thankful. And for a lot of people, this was their first time ever participating in any kind of a, a mega cigar event. So those messages won't fall on deaf ears. Um, we don't want to take that away from them. I'm a still believer of, of the physical event. And we're going to come back like monster, monster, monsterly strong in 2022 with the last luau. I don't know if you guys saw the teaser we made for that. Yeah. But I think right now our goal, and, and believe me, we, we, we started talking about this, believe it or not, Sunday, maybe even Saturday night, um, is how we're going to develop a hybrid event next year that will incorporate virtual people being able to virtually participate. And it's still, and I'll tell you right now, it's not going to be an eight-hour presentation, <laughs> but to virtually incorporate themselves into a event that's going on live for people that are there live. So we're going to take the best parts of what happened Saturday and, and kind of meld it and, 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 and ingrain it into last decade and a half almost. All right. That's fantastic. I'll tell you, that was exactly the question that I, I had queued up as well. And, and, and I'll say, I, lo I love the answer, Abe. I think it's fantastic. I'm, I'm a big believer that necessity is the mother of of all invention, and uh, and uh, really look forward to next year and how you do try and uh, add some elements. Because I saw comments, I've seen people say it since. Uh, just on this show, people have been commenting that it was so exciting to get to be there because it might be just outside of their regular reach to be able to take that trek down to Florida each year and and do it. Just as as you were saying, it's you know it's a whole trip around the the singular event so uh really looking forward to how that develops and congratulations on what i for you know to my eyes that was a huge success you set a bar that may never be uh met yet alone passed and uh you know fantastic really appreciate you being here and, and kind of breaking it down for us no man Th thanks for having me and look a lesson to be learned to you guys or anybody else out there who's listening i said before is look we we shot high we shot real high we thought when we were brainstorming, this was like the crazy idea that we all laughed at. <laughs> it really was. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did a Jerry Lewis? Blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't it be cool? And then all of a sudden, one of the guys in the room goes, um, I know a guy that might be able to put that together. I'm like, what? Huh. And it just starts evolving. But, And I tell this to a lot of my staff. If you want to do something, never tell yourself or complain how it can't be done. Or don't set a ceiling for yourself that doesn't exist because you can use that same energy to figure out how can we do it? You know, I mean, we really have this don't say die until we've exhausted every possible way to do something. And then if you go into stuff like that with that kind of mentality, you'll, you'll, you'll do a lot greater things. So, Randy, should we give our – this is the part of the show where we give our thumbs up or thumbs down to this uh, pairing that Abe has so graciously picked for us. Yes. So let's start with Jordan. Jordan, uh, what do you think? Is this a thumbs up or a thumbs down from you? This uh, easy thumbs up. Uh, I mean, the intensity matches. You got similar botanical slash earthy components going on. The cigar's a little more on the earthy side. The drink's a little more on the sweet side. Gives that vanilla in the in, through the finish that really amplifies the cigar. What a what a pairing. I agree. I'll I'll also go thumbs up, Jordan. Uh, like I said, uh, um, before you know, 15 minutes ago or whatever. This is an this is a pairing you can 
recommend to almost everybody. Now, I would say this. I, I do think that the root beer probably goes better with, with a cigar that does have some intensity, either like the Sun Grown that Randy has or a Maduro. I'm not 100% sure that it would go great with like a Connecticut wrapped cigar. I don't right. know. I haven't done that. That would be my only... Oh, well, nobody ever said it's going to go with everything. No, I know. I'm just saying... This pairing, though. This is an approachable pairing, and so I give it a enthusiastic thumbs up. Uh, we'll, we'll do a blast. Randy, what are your thoughts on this pairing? Yeah, yeah, like you said, for all the reasons that we've already given, the the spice component, the uh, that, that that richness. Again, I think it's important that the the root beer isn't overly sweet, so it's not overpowering some of those nuanced flavors. Uh, Abe may, actually made a, a great point to call out the carbonation. You know, kind of kind of scrubbing and giving a refresh to your palate. So each time you pull pull a draw off the cigar, it's 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 still kind of fresh. You're, it's not muddled. It's not getting like uh, you're you're not getting fatigue on your palate from it. And so yeah, it's an enthusiastic thumbs up for me as well. One thing on that note, talking about the carbonation, I kind of like like you know when you go to we, earlier you're talking about when you go to NW and you get the frosty mug, and they pour it for mm-hmm. you on draft. That is, I think that is a lot better than regular A&W because it's a little less carbonated. Like, not, not to say it's a flat soda or something like that, but sure. it's, it's a little more toned down. And um, Also, maybe, Jordan, um, you know, extreme cold tends to kind of mm-hmm. numb your taste buds a little bit. So, like, that's why I like my bourbon a little warmer. Uh, it doesn't numb my taste buds at all. So maybe that also is playing a, a role in what you're in saying. In the carbonation. But I like that. Yeah. All right, Abe, what do you think? A thumbs up or thumbs down on this pairing? First off, i got to ask, do you guys ever give really a thumbs down? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All the, all all the time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Abe, <laughs> Abe this, in this show, part of the fun is, 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 is the failures. Like, uh, sometimes, you learn more from the failures. Sometimes you learn more from the failures. Well, and it's not and like you're bashing either one either. Because it's a pairing, I, I don't have to say I hated this cigar or I hated this drink. I just didn't like the pairing. Right. Uh, uh, I'm a thumbs up. It's my oh. shtick. I, I, I like root beer with almost any cigar. This worked out great. Actually, I think root beer actually tastes better with Maduros now that I'm actually thinking mm-hmm. about it. So I think it paired up. I think well. so. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no, I, absolutely fair. And to your point about carbonation, you know, you know, uh, uh, Jordan, Jordan pointed out that higher levels of carbonation can sometimes uh, take away from the experience. Uh, there's uh, carbonic acid found in uh, in uh, carbon dioxide that gives that that strong bite and that sting so you get a little bit more of an acidic characteristic that isn't necessarily always going to go with every cigar so i can totally see how uh minimizing uh that uh, acidic bite um uh, could could find even more of a large range of cigars that they would go with so uh randy let's take out the show uh talk about what's next yes. week and we'll, oh wait before you well, get into that somebody yeah. in the uh, a few a couple guys in the comments we're wondering how everybody knows what to pair for the following week. And there's a few ways to go about that. Randy. We will go into that. Why don't you go ahead and let's stay chronological and tell us what's going on Friday night on Smoke Night Live. Yeah, so Friday night is going to be a first impression show. Um, Coop will oh, be on nice. the show. Oh. Bob, Bob the Cigar Guy will be on the show. I think Emmett will be on the show. He's still trying to work out a, a babysitter. So that's the show where we take uh, two cigars. Each guy takes two cigars that they've never smoked before. We give them 25 minutes each, and they get their 25 minutes to uh, make a good first impression or bad first impression on it. It's, it's usually one of our more popular shows. This is episode four of that. Um, then the week after that, Ernesto 
Carrillo will be on the show. That'll be cool. And the week after that, Cigar Vixen will be on the show. So we got a bunch of cool shows coming up, oh, Randy. Check you out. You're, you're well. Well, that that's a perfect uh, segue into what I was going to say about the last uh, first impression show was the first time I had ever heard uh, anybody smoke the EPC pledge. That's right. Which Jordan raved about led me to buy the box early before there was a big rush on it. As we all know, it eventually became the number one cigar of the year selection You're for welcome. Cigar Dojo for last year. That's right. So well, 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 well done on that, Jordan. Everyone that complained about uh, <laughs> about not getting it in time before it ran out, thinking, well, it's because you didn't just watch the, the show. first impression show right. and finding out how good it was early. Um, but uh, that being said, glad they asked how to find out what the cigar pairings are going to be uh because not only do we announce it every week as we uh finish up the show we also are uh posting it on dojoverse so go to dojoverse as a group uh, sign yourself up go to the flavor odyssey group and you'll find our pairings for the next selection pinned to the top of that group so for the next four shows of flavor odyssey we're going into the fruity segment of season three where we will be starting off with a Sauvignon Blanc paired with an Aladino Connecticut. We'll follow that the following week with a Hazy IPA and the Alec and Bradley Kintsugi. Uh, then we will go from there to none other than the Pinot Noir with the EPC Pledge. So I hope you guys figured it out. And if you didn't get a chance to buy an EPC Pledge box before they became ultra, ultra rare, you can always go to Smoke In and get the Cigar of the Year Sampler 5-pack for Cigar Dojo, and you will find that one of the EPC Pledges are found in that fabulous sampler pack. Uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap up Fruity with a Cherry Bourbon Smash and the Crown Heads Capa Especial 4-Kicks. And so that will be the four pairings coming up over the next four weeks for the fruity segment. And we'll continue to work through the different segments and get these pairings ready for you guys. We'll announce it on the show. We'll announce it on the Facebook, on Dojo's page, as well as the Cigar Dojo Flavor Odyssey group. Excellent. All right, Randy, take us yes. out. And thank you again so much to our sponsor and, and our good friend, Abe DeBabna. Congratulations again. So glad to have you here. Phenomenal job on the violin, by the way, if I'm not mistaken. That, that was that lovely young lady right there. Thank you. Yeah. My daughter, Petra, 12 years old, who uh, performed two acts with Alan Goldfarb, our J.C. Newman Point Day rep, um, on stage. And they did uh, Paint It Black by uh, and, and uh, Here Comes the Sun. That was amazing. Oh, yeah, those were fantastic. Really, really good job, Petra. You guys, th thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you on Flavor, the uh, Cigar Dojoverse. After this, we'll be uh, pairing, we'll be posting poster cigars. Tune in on Friday for the next impression show. And we expect to see you guys again as the Flavor Odyssey continues. Thank you.